Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to Bucketheads. My name is Connor Lamonds, and this is episode 28 of Lane Grant Holy Land's College Basketball Podcast that we were given the keys to about eight months ago. So far, we have not crashed it. Um, in my opinion. I'm here with my lovely co-host from Northeast Ohio, Mr. Justin Goldberg. Justin, what's going on, buddy? Just dealing with the snow as everyone else is, so uh, outside of that, it's been good. All right. We don't have anything too crazy pressing to discuss today. Uh, Buckeyes had a game last night. They played Minnesota, um, beat them by 25 points, 70 to 45. Um, that was pretty much how it was expected to go down. They were expected to win that game um, at home where they have not lost a game this year and the second half they pretty much blew it open it's kind of what we expected to happen yeah I think it was it was pretty much fair game to assume they might have had a uh, a little bit of a slow start just from you know you look at the pa- the last week of basketball they played you have Rutgers um, you know that was a very up and down emotionally taxing game then you have at Michigan which was an emotional you know not emotional but a taxing win, you know, kind of a high that you hit. And then you come down and you got to play Minnesota, who's bad, on a Tuesday night, you know, in front of a crowd that probably wasn't the best, let's be honest. Um, so, you know, you do your best to kind of work up the energy, but sometimes you need a little bit of a of a, of a kick in the kick in the pants, and they got it, you know, being down 25-20. It was probably the worst half of basketball we've seen them play um, this season. I mean, they had 23 points and nine turnovers. Uh, but they finished with 10 turnovers. So that's all you can do is, you know, fix your mistakes. I think a lot of times people forget that basketball is 40 minutes uh, because a lot of people at halftime are calling the game over, which is kind of wild that they were down by two. Um, you know, if you come out and hit a three-pointer, you're up by one, which is what they did. So they came out. They looked great. Jamari Wheeler was kind of the MVP of this one, I think, uh, just in terms of, like, energy and bringing, you know, knocking down some shots early in the second half to get the guys going and then, E.J. Liddell did what E.J. Liddell does. Plus, he had a plus of 25 when he was on the floor, um, and they won by 25. So, 
you know, he's just, he's, he played 35 minutes. He was the only Buckeye in 30 or more minutes, except Malachi Brandon who played exactly 30 minutes. Um, so he, he was spectacular and, you know, that's, but they're, you know, we're, we're kind of at that point in the season where games like this, you need your best guy to be your best guy. And that's what he was, you know, um, Minnesota didn't get that. Peyton Willis was two for 11, right? You're not going to win when your best guy is two for 11. So EJ Liddell, even though he had a slow start, he finished with 16 and 10. He made a couple big plays on defense and, you know, the energy he brings to his team is pretty much unmatched. Yeah. They really ratcheted up the defense the last couple games. Um, what's really eye opening, pulling up Ken Palm here, I believe a couple weeks ago, um, I think actually before they were going to play the Iowa game, so February 3rd, so about two weeks ago, I believe Ohio State on Ken Palm, their, their adjusted defense was somewhere between 110 and 120. Um, like it was an objectively terrible defense. Last two games between Michigan and Minnesota, um, teams have averaged only 51 points against them, and Ohio State's defensive efficiency on Ken Palm is up to number 78 in the country. So still not where they want to be. Um, Holtman's talked about previously that he wants to be, you know, top 25 in offense, top 25 in defense. Clearly this team is not going to get top 25 in defense, but they have jumped about 40 spots in adjusted defensive um, efficiency in the last couple of weeks. So they're making some strides on that end. Um, but, you know, Minnesota is not, they're not awful. They're better than we thought they would be before the season started. Definitely thought they were going to be awful, but, they have a couple guys on that team that can get a bucket. Jamison Battle is a, is a solid player. He would probably be a good role player for Ohio State. Um, Peyton Willis arguably might be a starter if he played on Ohio State's team. Um, so they're a little bit better than we thought them than we thought they would be. Um, I, I thought that Ohio State would flex a little bit more in the in the first half, though. I didn't. I did not expect to see them trailing at halftime. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just one of those games. It was just one of those games where. You know, you just don't have, you know, especially in the first half, you just don't have kind of, you know, it just wasn't there. I think it was really the only way to word it. And, you know, when you get into February with these kinds of games, all you can really do is just make sure when you have games like this, you're playing an inferior opponent. It's late on a Tuesday night. You know, you might be a little bit tired from whatever weekend game you had. Just win the game, you know, and they did. They did that and more, obviously, by winning by 25. Um, if you just showed somebody the box score, I don't think they would have said, wow, I assume Ohio State was trailing at the half. Um, but they were. So, I mean, you even look at shooting by the period. Ohio State in the first half, one for eight from three, second half, nine for 15. I mean, that's a pretty substantial turnaround. Um, so, you know, and they ended up, they played so well in the second half that they all their shooting splits look fairly normal in terms of how bad they were in the first half. So, um this is just a. This was just one of those games where you have to win. You don't got to win any game by twenty five. I think that's what people forget. And Coach Holtman kind of mentioned that in the press conference last night. Last night he said that, yeah, or uh, this morning he was. He said that you know I think people expect you to blow teams out, and that's just not an expectation in the Big Ten. You know anything can happen. We we just literally last night before the Ohio State game watched Penn State knock off Michigan State. That's a game Michigan State needs to win. They didn't. You know, so that's just Michigan before they played Ohio State, beat Purdue, killed, killed Purdue, beat them by 24. So, uh, and then everything they did right in the Purdue game, they did wrong in the Ohio State game. So it's just how it, that's how the Big Ten is. It's the toughest conference in America. I'm, com- I'm comfortable saying that over the Big 12. And um, 
any win is any any win is a good win at this point. You obviously can make adjustments. You obviously look at film and you and you make you make the correct adjustments that you need. But also they ended up winning by twenty five and holding a decent, uh, probably a little bit below decent team, but to forty five points is is incredible. That's that's holding anybody to forty five points is is impressive. Yeah, the phrase that he used was really interesting after the game. He basically said, you know, when somebody asked, you know, what was the the switch that was flipped at halftime, like what changed? He kind of said, you know, I don't I don't believe in this like tale of two halves thing. Like I don't necessarily believe in like the what was the drastic change that you made that changed the results. He was like he said which I thought was really interesting. He said, I thought it was gonna be a slow drip when the game started. A, a slow drip, like not maybe like a jump out ahead early kind of thing, but eventually this game's going to get out of hand. Eventually we're going to take a lead. We are going to make a move. And once we make our move, the game is going to be over. Um, and that's exactly and what happened. And that's came later, but it came later. But yeah, it, it reminded me kind of like one of those NCAA tournament games that like the first Thursday or Friday you watch when like a 14 seed is hanging with a three seed in the first half and everybody's like, Oh, got to keep an eye on that one. And then like you, you check back on it like 10 minutes later and the three seed is up by like 14 and you're like, Oh, okay. Okay. That one's done. Yeah. It was fun while it lasted though. Like the better, more talented team, you know, it, it, they're going to pull away. And also Minnesota did not take advantage of some opportunities. Like for as poorly as, for as poorly as, as you played in the first half for Minnesota only be up by two at halftime, you know, Ben Johnson was going to the locker room like, ah, shit, like yeah, we, we, we should have, we should have way more breathing room right now than we do. Yep. A hundred percent. No, that, and the NCAA tournament comparison is a good one because that is how it felt. Um, especially when it's a game that you weren't expecting to be close, you know, and you're like, Oh, this could be one of those crazy upsets. And you look back like 15 minutes later and it's a 30 point game. You're like, Oh, what, what happened? But, um, that, that's how this game felt. It never, and like, even the first half, it wasn't like Minnesota was really forcing them to play bad ball. They were just making some bad turnovers, and it happens, you know. Malachi Branham truly just threw the ball to a Minnesota player at one point. He just didn't see him, you know, like things like that. Um, you know, it's, it, it was just a slow start that they they got through it, and, you know, they, they beat Minnesota, and now they're on a two-game winning streak, thankfully. Because that would have been a bad loss, let's be very honest. Yeah, that would have been a very bad loss. Jamar Wheeler said that the zone – they don't see a lot of like two three zone in the big time. It's a lot more man to man. Minnesota did it last time they played Ohio State, which is kind of funny that they that Ohio State struggled so much in the beginning when they were so successful against it in Minneapolis. But Minnesota did bring Eric Curry back, and he's six ten. So you add a real big man to the center of that zone for Zed Key to kind of tangle with. And and Jamari Wheeler said, um, <coughs> excuse me. In the first half, he said they were just like, we were a little more timid. Um, we were tentative. We were timid. We weren't like hunting our shot. He said we were kind of sitting back and kind of passing around the outside of the zone trying to find a shot instead of like just attacking it and going in, trying to cut into the zone. And he said in the, you know, in the second half, you know, we got a little more aggressive trying to break into that zone where in the first half we'd, we were turning the ball over because we were tentative and kind of sitting back, not not being aggressive enough. So it took them a little bit, um, you know. It took them a little bit to to break it and to 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 you know break this game open a little bit. But once it happened in the second half, um, like you said, they take they take the lead thirty seconds in, and that was it. And they never, um, never gave it back. Yeah. And Minnesota does not have the guns or the talent to 
you know, Chase you to down. hang with them. Not even close. So it, it really did feel like a, a lopsided tournament game, like a two versus a 15. Like, although it's pretty cute, they hung around for a half. But as soon as the better team takes the lead, this one's over. Yes, as all two 15 games go. All of them. Every single one. <sighs> Absolute agony. As every two fifteen goes. As every two fifteen versus two game goes. The two always wins. Um, the better the better team the better team always comes out on top. Oh my gosh. This is this is getting off the rails quick. Anyway, Ohio State got a commitment uh this weekend, which actually happened the prior Sunday. Austin Parks, three star center from St. Mary's Memorial High School, committed to Ohio State this past weekend. He was at the Maryland game the prior su- last Sunday, two Sundays ago, however you want to say it. And I guess he told Holtman then on that Sunday that he was in, he was going to come to Ohio State. The official announcement to the public came this past Saturday. He's a three-star center. Um, I believe another recruiting outlet, maybe ESPN, has him as a four-star center. He's the number 148 player in the class. He's the sixth player in the state of Ohio. Um, and I believe he is the second ranked center in the state of Ohio. Um, or, or I'm trying to think. No, it is the 18th ranked center in the country, sixth ranked player in the state of Ohio. So three-star slash four-star center, big guy. Fans have been crying for some size. And now um, in 2023, it looks like they'll have Zed Key, Austin Parks, and Felix Akpara on the roster. Yeah, I mean that's that's size. You know, when your when your current center will be the third biggest guy on the team uh in two years, because I expect Zed to be there unless something happens. So um same with Akpar, I don't think he's gonna be a one and done. So you know, i mean it's just it's just the normal um response you get anytime you get a three star because you know, people are like, Oh, you know, that's not you know, it's just a three star. I don't think people understand how good three star recruits are. Uh, the last Ohio State three-star recruit was Dwayne Washington. Uh, Eugene Brown was a three-star recruit. So, like, they're still very, 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 very talented. And there's also a lot of room for movement, as we've seen with Bryce Sensible, right? When they when they signed him, he was in, like, the 150s, 160s. He's all the way up to a top 60 recruit in the country. So you have to take these recruiting rankings when they're juniors in high school with a grain of salt because that's when they do their most their biggest work and their most – kind of work on the AAU circuits and stuff that actually moves up their rankings. So um, take it with a grain of salt. Just be happy that you got a 6'10 center. Uh, and for people that are telling, I saw comments that he wasn't good, stop acting like you watch high school basketball like that. You don't. It's just a fact. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you, you are have you, right. Have you watched his tape? Come on. Come on. You're, like, you're not watching him. Come on. The people that are commenting on Facebook are sitting at home cutting up tape on Austin Parks. Yeah, no, um, it's not his works. Okay, go on. You Let's are, be real. You're right about you're right about the recruiting rankings. Like this could change drastically in a year. Yeah, um, you know, he's down. still he in his junior season, and they'll continue to update these rankings. Um, I did see some things. Uh, I did see something. I believe that he plays in the WBL, which is the Western Buckeye League, which is kind of around Lima, so not quite Northwest Ohio, not quite southwest ohio it's like just straight western ohio and i guess um the wbl is a lot of like muck it up basketball a lot of hold the ball through the shot clock a lot of limiting possessions so like i guess he's had some games where you know maybe he scores 30 points there are some games where maybe his team wins like 32 to 28 and he only has like 10 points so i did see some people that were commenting like you know 
He's not great. Plays in the WBL. WBL sucks. Um, he did get scholarship offers from Illinois, Ohio State, Dayton, Michigan State, so Tom Izzo, and West Virginia, so Hall of Fame <laughs> coach uh, Bob Huggins, as well as Indiana. Um, so clearly the kid, a, a lot of really good coaches see a lot of potential in him um, beyond the fact that he's 16 years old and he's already six foot nine, 230 pounds. He's probably going to grow a little bit, but it's not just Holtman. Like a lot of really, really good and Hall of Fame coaches have also offered him a scholarship and we're hoping to get him. Yeah, I I've covered Ohio State. I've Ohio State. I've covered Ohio high school basketball for the past two years, and even in like, I truly my first year here, the paper I worked for, I don't know who's listening from there because we truly covered probably one of the worst conferences in the state of Ohio for basketball. They just don't they just don't compete really with everybody else, and even in that conference, there was a kid who went to OU. You know, this kid named AJ Clayton, so he, he was very 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 good. So you like you can't look at conferences and just judge players by that. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's still very good players in, in bad conferences. I don't know much about the WBL. I covered sports in the complete opposite, the complete opposite end of Ohio. So I, I've I've seen these teams a couple of times. I don't know them too well, but um, you can't look at conferences and just say just because they're not in Cleveland, Cincinnati, or or uh, the other one, Columbus. Oh gosh, um, that they're not. You know good i mean you can find everybody anywhere anybody everywhere yeah that that other city in ohio columbus yeah um <laughs> a lot i think a lot of coaches too probably are recruiting off of potential too you've covered high school more than me so you can correct me wrong they're probably recruiting as much on potential too as they physically see them doing on the court so oh, kind of like he's six ten. you see yeah you see a kid <laughs> like austin parks go out there and maybe he scores 12 points in a and nasty muck it up 34 30 win but you know they're looking at his footwork they're looking at how how tall and how heavy is he at age 16 already you know how big could he end up growing to be when he's you know fully grown in college um what kind of skills does he already have that they won't need to teach him very much to translate to the college level in a couple years so even if the point out like the scoring output isn't there i'm pretty sure that you know, college coaches are also scouting on potential and what kind of stuff, what do we have to work with here? Basically, what do we have to work with? You know, how much work are we going to have to do to get him ready for the college level? And what kind of stuff is going to immediately translate to the college level? It sounds like he has, uh, I guess, experimental is the best way to put it. Jump shot. Like he's not really like a spread the floor kind of jump shooter yet, but he's a big dude with good footwork. Um, he can step out and hit some mid-range jumpers, which they like. He really wants to be able to extend his range and hit some longer jumpers. But I would say just right off the bat, just physical attributes. He's a big dude for being a high school junior. He's probably going to get a little bit bigger. No, and that's – yeah, you're right. You're 100% right about what, what they're recruiting on is a lot of potential and stuff. Um, you know, we, we've talked about it before. When I was – my first job out of college, I was covering sports in Nebraska, and one of the kids I covered was Chuck Hepburn. Who was Wisconsin's newest Wisconsin starting point guard right now? And even when he wasn't putting up like stats, stats, he, he put up some great stats. But when he wasn't, I was talking to his coach and he was talking about how fearless he was. That's why co- colleges loved him because he was just fearless. He didn't care about what was going on. And now you can even see that if you watch Wisconsin, you know, when they're in close game situations, they have him 
a freshman point guard in playing with Johnny Davis and Brad Davison because he can handle the moment. So it's stuff like that they look at too, you know. That's probably Austin Parks. That's why Ohio State likes them. So that's they look at so many different things. You can't just look at a box score. I agree. The uh, the next couple the next couple of recruiting classes are going to be really fun. I'm I'm most excited about the 2022 class. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, personally, it hits every box. 2023 is still developing, and my guess is they'll probably get. Um, my guess is they'll probably get one more guy for 2023. And nothing more because they've got five freshmen coming in the 2022 class. Um, honestly, it wouldn't be crazy if they ended up just stopping at two guys, but they'll probably end up with three. So expect probably one more commitment down the road somewhere. But the 2022 class, like it, it's going to be so much fun. Like the team next year is going to be just as fun as as the team this year, but for totally different reasons. Like the mm-hmm. team next year is 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 potentially like. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they missed the NCAA tournament. Like they potentially could be a not very good team, but they're going to be very fun to watch because the freshman class, like a couple of freshmen are probably going to start unless they get a couple really good transfers. Um, but like Roddy Gale, Bryce Sensabaugh, Bruce Thornton, um, Felix Akpara, all those dudes are going to be so much fun to watch. And then the wild card obviously is going to be Bowen Hardman, kind of like the Justin Arns of this recruiting class. He has one very clear tool and that's to shoot the basketball. So he's kind of TBD, but the other four guys are going to be so much fun to watch, even if it gets frustrating sometimes. Yeah. A, a little bit of a closer comparison I'll make for Hardman just real quick is if anybody watched or remembers Dane Goodman, Dane Goodwin, who was recruited to Ohio state, he plays in Notre Dame right now. That's a little more, I think Bowen Hardman, he can get in the lane a little more and make plays. Um, you know, he doesn't look as awkward when he drives. So I think, I think that's what Hardman can be. I just like this team because it checks, it checks every box. You know, you got the superstar that we think is, uh, you know, Bruce Thornton, you got the shooter and Bowen Hardman in general, you got kind of the three and D guy with Roddy Gale. You've got your, your, your shot blocker inside threat with Felix. Like you just got everything. Um, and then I think the next year's success will just be determined on who they go get in the transfer portal or does Justice Suing come back? You know, somebody like that. So, I mean, this it's it's going to be impossible to, to judge or not judge, but um, predict what this roster looks like come like next August. But um, it's still, I I agree with you. It's going to be regardless if they're good or I, like I've said this before. I don't know if they're going to be good. They're going to be fun. I can promise you that. Yeah, and Holtman's already said that they're they're going to go after. You know, they're going to go after at least one like front court guy in the transfer portal. Oh, so yeah. kind of like uh. Um, trying to think of a good example, like you know who? Justice what's his name from Texas? Uh, the guy went to Texas. His name was what? Trey Mitchell went from UMass to Texas. He's like a six seven, six eight forward, like that kind of size guy. Which is funny that you said that because Trey Mitchell just left Texas for personal. Just took reasons. a leave of absence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's that. Um, I, I, I'll never. I, that's no, no, no. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just saying it's funny that you say that because he did just leave Texas. Yeah, that's probably why he's the first one that popped in my mind. But they'll probably go out and they'll try to get. Um, not like a center center, but like a forward, that kind of guy in the transfer portal. Um, yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm the most excited about Bryce Hensibaugh personally. I think that he is going to be like probably one of the most fun players to watch at Ohio state since probably like Jay Sean Tate, as far as just like rooting for the guy and just being like, this dude is just fun to watch because he is like six, seven close to 250 pounds. Like this is a, 
like, damn, that's a thick ass boy. Like this is a thick guy, but he can shoot. He can block shots. He can handle the basketball. Like he is not just like a, um, it's not like justice suing. Like let's teach justice suing how to bring the ball up for an emergency. Like Bryce Sensiball legitimately is listed as a two guard on some recruiting sites, but he's like six, seven and almost two fifty. And like you said, he flew up the recruiting boards right after Ohio State locked him up. He went from a three-star recruit who was like 160, I think, overall, to he's somewhere between like 55 and 65 now, and he's like a high four-star now. So he's like, I think that Holtman is hoping to turn him into kind of what EJ Liddell is right now. Yeah, I'm Sensible is very interesting because at one point it seemed like and no disrespect to him, of course, because he's an amazing player, but it seemed like he might have been somewhat of a consolation prize because they lost out on Dylan Mitchell to Texas. And now he's like actually getting close to Dylan Mitchell's recruiting ranking. So it's 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 very interesting to see kind of what he's become and what he could turn into. And I'm most excited for Bruce Thornton just because I've I've seen the most tape out of him. And he can he can just truly do everything. Um so he'll in I think Ohio State's been lacking that kind of do it all point guard probably since D'Angelo Russell. And I'm not saying he's D'Angelo Russell. That's number two pick in the draft. But um, I think that he can be very, very good. And I think it'll be, it'll be exciting to get him to Ohio State and get him coached under this, under this coaching staff and, and whatnot. Cause I think he's, his potential is probably the highest of all of them. Akpar looks amazing too, by the way. Like that's a guy I think you could come in and immediately go 10 and 10 for you. And like as a freshman. And that would be just something they just have not had. Yeah. And, and, and Roddy Gale too. I'm like, I'm looking at Roddy Gale, six, five, 200. He's a, he's like a combo guard, six, five, 200 pounds. Um, if you watch him, his video, like he's just a crazy freak athlete. Like crazy this man does athlete. things on a basketball court. Like <laughs> this man has crazy hops. He is lightning fast for as tall as he is. He just does crazy stuff on a basketball court. Like that's why next season, Ohio State might not be great, but like I will be tuned into every single game because these dudes are all going to be in the rotation. The only one that maybe would end up being redshirted, like we talked about, is maybe Hardman. Like he may not break the rotation. He may end up doing like a redshirt. Wouldn't be shocked if they do that. But all these dudes are going to be very entertaining. You're also going to get to see the first bit of Kalen Etzler next year, which we have not got to watch any of Kalen Etzler. But he's a big guy too. I believe he's six seven, six six he's eight. Six, he's not a guard. He's six, nine. I've seen six nine. Yeah, his his twenty four seven when he was in high school says six eight. So he may be six nine at this point. But he's like he's six nine, two hundred pounds when he got to college. So that was before he even got into Ohio State's like conditioning program with like Coach Q and those guys. So probably by next year it'll be you know six nine pushing two ten, two fifteen, and there is going to be a front court guy to replace all these forwards that Ohio State's going to lose. So you'll get to see the first bit of Kalen Etzler as well, who's a very good player in his own right. So a lot of really, really good young players on this team next season. Who knows how good they'll be. They they could totally have a game that they turn the ball over like 22 or 23 times though, but then you'll leave the game going like, oh my God, but that alley-oop from Bruce Thornton to Roddy Gale down the stretch, like, was that not the coolest thing you've ever seen? And, like, that'll end up being, like, your takeaway from the game. Yeah, and, and to be clear, like, when we say we don't think they're going to be that good, um, it's just because they're so young. You know, they're going to be starting probably no seniors next year, right? Barring Justice Suing doesn't come back and Seth Towns doesn't come back. They're going to lose nine guys, and they'll probably be starting mostly freshman and sophomore. So, this is a very talented group. It's just when you're that young, you got to – 
you need a lot of things to click and work, and it's just tough to make that work in the Big Ten. Um, so I think they'll still be pretty talented. It all just depends on, like I said, also what they go get in the transfer portal because, you know, if my math lines up, losing eight or nine guys and having five recruits, you're going to have a couple of spots to fill. So, And there's always, I mean, at this point, the transfer portal is full of literal stars. So, um, yeah. And, and Holman's done a pretty good job every year when there's been question marks of filling those question marks. So even though they got a bunch of, a bunch of young guys and question marks, you still, you're still going to have Zed key as a junior who right now is kind of right around 10 points per game. He'll probably take a step forward. So Zed key is going to be a steady force for you. You're most likely going to get Malachi Branham back next year, which I think that Malachi Branham could be like, potentially be like next year's Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis had like a solid first season with Wisconsin and then absolutely exploded. Um, yeah, uh, we have been talking about Malachi Branham since like last May when they first gave us a mic and let us start recording a podcast, which probably was a mistake by Land Grant Holy Land. But we've been talking about Malachi Branham since like May. Like this dude's going to be a stud. He's going to be a star. And he's been very good this season. He'll probably put his name in the NBA draft and then come back is my guess. But he could take it like a Johnny Davis jump next year. And if that happens, I mean, all bets are off. Like next year's probably Malachi Branham's last year of college. And who knows what the, the ceiling will be for him next year. Yeah, I mean, complete, like I said, assuming Suing and Towns don't come back, which that's not a given. I think, especially if Suing doesn't play this year, because I was thinking about this, you know, he can be a professional player overseas. He might want to get one more year under his belt to try to prove that. But we'll say they don't come back. And let's assume that. We'll just say they don't have any transfers right now. They will, but let's just say they don't. That's still a starting lineup of probably Michi Johnson, Malachi Branham, Eugene Brown, Felix Akpar, Zed Key. That's a good starting lineup. You know, there's a lot of talent there. There's a, and there's a lot of depth on that bench. So, um, you know, and maybe Kalen Etzer will start over Akpar. I, I don't know. That's just me spitballing. But um, it's still that's still a, a lot of talent. And there was no seniors I just mentioned. So. Malachi Branham might kind of be a senior next year. It depends on what he does. Um, I'm not as in on the whole he might. I think he will enter the draft, but I think we'll come back because there's just no there's no reason not to. But I'm not 100% sure that even next year will be his last year. So um, we'll see. I, I agree with you with the Johnny Davis thing. Outside of like Johnny Davis might be the national player of the year. I'm not sure Malachi Branham will take that far of a jump. But scoring-wise, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, he's at what, what's Johnny Davis Halley right now? Like, probably like 22, 23. I don't know if Malachi Branham would get like, he's at 21. I mean, hell, I've, I mean, I've seen Malachi Branham drop 35 on somebody like that. So I don't know. Yeah. I was, but I was more going for, you know, Johnny Davis had a, had a very solid freshman season. Like, okay, this kid's pretty talented. He's probably going to be a pretty good player. And then he absolutely blew up. Um, Malachi Branham is not, he's not a household name yet. Um, outside of probably the Big Ten and the couple teams that he's victimized with like 20-point games. Um, But I think he could become more of a household name next season. I think that, you know, he's shown, he's so smooth. I think that, I think that he he won't be, he'll never be a junior at Ohio State. I think he'll have a sophomore season and I think he's off to the league. So if he has a really big year next season, plus Zed Key is still there, you have uh, some really talented freshmen, and not even including what transfers um, Ohio State brings in. They they probably will end up having a competitive team. Um, however, they're still going to be frustrating at, at times with those freshmen. Um, but the freshmen are so much fun that they're just going to be a super entertaining team to watch. 
Um, but like you said, you know, there's there's a lot to be determined with the roster, with the transfers and all that stuff at the end. Yeah, my favorite Malachi Branham story is actually my own because the one time I covered him in high school, I don't know if I've said this on this yet, but um, I covered him once in high school in a playoff game and he had it was he lo- truly looked like he was just like going through the motions like it was it and it just looked like he wasn't really like like he looked engaged of course but he just he didn't look like he was really sweating or trying that hard and I looked up and he had 36 points and I was like oh okay so he's just special <laughs> that's just what he, he still, is he still looks like that sometimes in yeah, games yeah yeah like- 100% that's why I was funny cuz I look at him high still I'm like that is how he looks it's just so smooth and it's just so i i don't know it's it's got that william buford of it all where it's just like he looks like He's just the games has come a little bit easier to him, and he still looks like a like. Okay, I shouldn't say still looks like a kid because I myself am five foot seven. But when I say he still looks like a kid, like it looks like he he hasn't put on like a ton of muscle since he got to Ohio State. Like he's still pretty tall and skinny and lanky. Like he does get pushed around a little bit um, by bigger guards. Like we're just we're just starting to open up. Yeah, we're scratching the, the surface. The bag, right? Yeah. Malachi Branham is just starting to reach into his bag. Like he's gonna get a whole other summer of conditioning to put on more weight, to fill out a little bit, get a little more muscular. But he's already a six-six guard who has scored twenty points in a Big Ten game four different times this season, I believe. So um, there are times when I look at him and I'm like, this kid looks like he's still in high school, and he's doing things that a high schooler should not be able to do to college seniors. Yeah, and he's got that Chucky Hepburn of him where it's just you can tell he's just fearless. Like he does not care about the moment. He, I mean, people forget like in the Akron game, his first game in, in, in a, of his college career, he made that in that pass inside to Zed Key to which was one of the most like I don't want to say galaxy brain plays, but like it was such a great awareness of everything that was happening around him. Ninety nine percent of freshmen just chuck a shot up there and lose the game. I mean, he made a perfect pass to Zed Key to make a perfect layup to win a game they had to win to start the season. It was his first college game ever. He just doesn't have – He just he's just comfortable, you know, and that's going to be so valuable come, as we've said, I just think this team is really built for, like, the NCAA tournament, and I think Malachi Branham is a huge part of that. And it's going to be his team next year. Yeah, um, Even if they bring in a transfer who's, like, a junior or a senior, you know, I wouldn't expect like a new face to the program to walk in and be like the de facto leader like EJ Liddell is with this team right now. I think, you know, next year it's going to be Malachi Branham's team. He's probably going to be their best player. He's probably going to be their leading scorer. Right now he's not really a a very vocal guy. He's, you know, he's a freshman. He's not like a, a vocal leader or anything like that. He mostly keeps to himself. He's not, you know, yelling or talking trash, but he's going to get older and get a little more mature. And next season, whether he's ready or not, it's probably going to be his team next year. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited for what they got, but thankfully for us, they still got some basketball to play this year. Ohio State's next game is Saturday at 2:30 against Iowa. That's the rescheduled game. Um, from February 3rd when Iowa's plane got stuck. So they rescheduled the Iowa game for Saturday, and we'll get to see another potential NBA lottery pick in Keegan Murray, which I think that this dude does not get enough uh, does not he get doesn't. enough press for us how good as he is. 
No, he doesn't. He uh, and I just wrote an article about Big Ten Player of the Year candidates, and as good as like Liddell and Johnny Davis and Kofi Coburn are, I think Higa Murray deserves to be in the same tier as those guys. Plus, probably Jay Nivey. I mean, those five I just mentioned is probably your Big Ten first team, all Big Ten. Um, he's just he's very very. Uh, he's just good. He can do everything. You know, he kind of um, he can shoot the ball well. He's averaging twenty three and eight on the season. He's kind of on a tear recently. He's been putting up some 30-point games back-to-back. Um, Iowa's a good offensive team in general, but they go as he goes. So it's going to be – I think the way you kind of handle him is kind of like you handle Hunter Dickinson. You know, just make somebody else beat you. Make Jordan Bohannon shoot the ball. Make um, make one of the McCaffreys make some shots because we know they're not great at it. You know, make somebody beat you that isn't Keegan Murray, which is like kind of what they did against Michigan – they struggled to do against Indiana because that's kind of how you beat Indiana too is make Trace Jackson Davis, you know, make somebody else beat you there. And Trace Jackson Davis just did it himself. But I would expect them to handle Keegan Murray similar to how they handle Hunter Dickinson. And Dickinson only ended up with 14 and seven. He was irrelevant to the game. So um, I do think, I, I think it's, it's another thing of like, you know, maybe you just let Keegan Murray get your 19 and nine or something, your 20 and 10. And then just as long as you shut everybody else down, you win that, you win that game. They're bad defense, which helps. Why Why doesn't Keegan Murray get more attention, do you think? Because I was thinking about this yesterday. He's the third leading scorer in the country. He is the, the highest scorer right now in the Big Ten Conference. Um, he is averaging 23.3 points per game, 8.4 rebounds per game, which I believe is also top five in the Big Ten, one and a half steals, an assist, two blocks, um, he is shooting 57% from the field overall and 37% from three. And every box that I thought of, of you know, why, why do certain players get boxed out of national media attention? Um, you think of like Obi Toppin with Dayton, you're like, okay, like Obi Toppin was very good, but he's playing at Dayton. He's playing some smaller schools. Um, same with a lot of these guys that play, you know, max schools and smaller schools that score, you know, 28, 29 points a game. It's like, who are they playing? What's their competition? Keegan Murray's playing in the big 10. He's putting up crazy numbers in the big 10. He's not playing at a small school. He's playing at Iowa. Um, for as much attention as, as, as Kofi Coburn and Johnny Davis get and EJ Liddell to an extent, I feel like Keegan Murray I think that Keegan Murray has has a, as as much of an argument as any of those guys to be the Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, I, I I've said this before with people. I think it's when it comes to sometimes not even awards because those tend to really kind of flatten itself out. But when it comes to just simply attention, it's not about how good you are; it's about what you can show. Right? He's not flashy. He just kind of does it. He goes about his business. You look at like the other the other four can probably candidates for. Big Ten Player of the Year, EJ Liddell. He has those crazy blocks. You know, he's getting up and down the floor. He's doing. He, he's he, he could put together a nice highlight tape, right? Kofi Coburn has monstrous dunks. He's got big blocks, big rebounds. Jay, Johnny Davis and Jaden Ivey are two of the more athletic players I've ever seen play. The you know at this point, it, Keegan Murray isn't any of that. He just goes about his business. He gets his twenty five and ten, and he moves on. You know. And I think, that, and also I think Iowa not being good doesn't help his case. You know, everybody I just mentioned is on a team that is ranked. Iowa's not. Um, and I think sometimes he he gets a little passive late in games, and that hurts him because he doesn't completely take them over. When he does take over games, he's taken over the entire game. You know, if that makes sense. 
Um, so I think I think all those play a role, but I think I truly believe it's just like the highlight tape stuff too as well. He just isn't that flashy. So you're saying that you think that he he probably is as good as all those players, but he's just oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, he's not as he's not getting as as much attention because he's he kind of just quietly does it. Doesn't have a whole lot, a bunch of highlight real plays. Just kind of quietly. I I just think it's. I was looking at the stats and I was just like, I'm just dumbfounded. Like I'm surprised yeah. that you know Fran McCaffrey loves to scream and shout and throw temper tantrums. I'm like kind of surprised that he hasn't made a bigger fuss about this. Like. Keegan Murray like legitimately might be the best player in the Big Ten. And when Iowa comes to Columbus on Saturday, like I think that he's gonna have a very good game. The question will be how Iowa's defense hangs up. Like 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 you said. Um neither of these teams are very good defensively. Ohio State has made some strides recently, but Iowa, um, one hundred and nineteenth in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency, which is the third worst in the Big Ten. So, you know, they're averaging a Big Ten best 84 points per game, but they're also giving up a bunch of points per game. They're very bad on defense. So it's really going to be whose defense can bend but not break on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a, without kind of the, the names that were in the game last year. It's going to be similar to every time they played last year, especially um, the game that was at Iowa, I believe, when it was like 90 to 86 in Ohio State won. You know, Dwayne Washington had like 30, and Justin Arns knocked out some huge threes late, and Luka Garzan, Joe Wieskamp had like 50 combined. You know, it'll be like that game, I think. I don't know if it'll be 90 to 86 per se, but um, it'll be high scoring, probably first one to 70 wins kind of deal, uh, which is uh, going to be kind of new for – not new for Ohio State, but new recently because they haven't had really too many high scoring games. Um they, they didn't hit 70 against Rutgers or Michigan, and they barely hit 70 against Minnesota. So it'll be kind of interesting to see just exactly how how much offense they can provide against Iowa or if this kind of newfound defense, you know, really slows Iowa down and, and they play a game that is a little bit unexpected. It'll be interesting to see which, which way it goes. Regardless, I think they win, but... I was a good um, team. There's no. I was. I was a tournament team. Like let's. Yeah. I think a lot of people kind of underestimate Iowa. I've seen people like you got to beat Iowa. I agree that you should probably win the game, but I was a tournament team right now. They're coming on lately. They yeah. are coming on lately. They started the season pretty poorly. I think they started. They start zero and two in Big Ten play. They started. They started one and two in Big Ten play. They didn't start the season too hot. They lost at Purdue. Oh no, they did start. Yeah, they started one and three. They lost at Purdue. They lost at home to Illinois, which both understandable. Um, they lost at Wisconsin, so I think they started yeah one and three in Big Ten play, um, and that since then they've turned it on a little bit. They are seven and six in Big Ten play, I believe. They're seven and six. Seven and six. Um, I don't know what the total points for this game will be if you're betting, but go take the over. Um, yeah, definitely take the take the over. I don't know if you did you watch them play in Maryland the other week. Yeah, um, they scored 110 points. Their defense is so bad. They let Maryland score 87 points and they won by 23. Yeah, when you let a team almost score 90 and the game is never close, something went crazy. <laughs> and it didn't go to overtime. This was this was no, it's 40 regulation. minutes 40 minutes of pure American basketball where the teams combined for 197 points. So like I was a very, very bad defensive team. I have no doubt that Ohio State could score on this team, but like, it's going to be a really, really fun game to watch. If you're in Columbus, it'll be a very, very fun game to be at, um, according to 
ESPN here. It says tickets starting is as low as $20. So sounds like a great deal to me. Yeah, if you're um, in Columbus, go to that. I mean, <laughs> 2 o'clock on a Saturday, you got two great offenses. February, you're not, you're not doing you're not doing anything in February. Yeah, you got two guys who are probably top 25 players in the country. You're not doing anything on the middle of the February. Just go. Just go. The middle of the February. The middle of the February, yeah. It's going to be on Fox. You're probably going to get some like very some. You're going to, it's going to be on Fox, national televised game. You'll have all the stars will be out Saturday to two thirty. Who's doing anything at two thirty in the afternoon? Keegan Murray, EJ Liddell, a couple of national player of the year candidates, a couple of Big Ten player of the year candidates. Nobody's going to play defense. Everybody's just going to be scoring. It's going to be fun. I could see like some crazy score. Like I could see Ohio State winning at like ninety two, like eighty five or something like that. Well, and it's going to be a fun finish to the season because, you know, and everyone's been yelling at us about this, that Ohio State can't win a Big Ten tur- uh, championship because, you know, they blew it against Rutgers. But everything that's kind of had to go Ohio State's way since then pretty much has. Even right now, when you're listening to this, this game will be over. But Rutgers is beating Illinois by 15. So that would be huge if Rutgers could pull that off. Rutgers may be the hottest team in the country right now, which is unbelievable. Um, so, you know. I, this is a team that is absolutely competing for a Big Ten championship. So if you want to see him win one, go pack up the shot and go be loud. Help them. Yeah, I'll admit I was definitely the doom and gloom Big Ten guy. Um, I mean, it's still it's honestly looking back on it, it still might be the reason they lose the Big Ten, but they're right. not out of it if right they, now. If they end up one game out of it, you'll look back and you're like, man, if you wouldn't have choked at Rutgers, you probably are cutting down the nets. But like, it's still going to be a really tough path. Um, today's Thursday. Um, I guess we're recording this Wednesday. So let's assume that Illinois loses, which I'm going to say playing at the rack, they probably are going to lose. But let's assume they lose. And if they win, sorry. Um, then Illinois would be 11 and 4. Purdue is 11 and 4, and they play later tonight. When this comes out, that'll be over. So let's assume Purdue beats Northwestern. So you have Purdue first, 12 and 4. Illinois second, 11 and 4. Wisconsin, 11 and 4. Ohio State nine and four, so they are they are one game. They will be one game back of the two and the the second and third place teams. So yeah, it's just hard to look at right now because they have so many less games right now. But yeah. they're start to even out, as you said. They play seven. What is it? Seven games in sixteen days to finish the season. Yep, that'll be fun. I hope. <laughs> I think that's probably enough blabbing. Um, I want to go watch this Illinois Rutgers game. Um, so that'll do it for us today. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your music and podcasts. That way, when we put out new episodes, you are notified. You can find us in the Land Grant Holy Land feed on Spotify and Apple Music. And uh, if you want to follow our uh, podcast Twitter feed, it's at Bucketheads LGHL. Uh, we're pretty active on there throughout games. You know, it's something we try to be. This isn't our full-time job, so sometimes things interfere. But we try to be as much as we can. And also, you can follow me at Justin underscore Goldberg on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Lamonz underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor. Before I close, quick shout-out to Chrysler Arena up in Ann Arbor. Went to the game last weekend best college basketball bathrooms that I have seen so far. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.